Blog Talk Radio.
Greetings, this is Abayomi Azikaway, and welcome back to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine. It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikaway. Today is uh, Wednesday, uh, January 3rd, uh, 2023, and we're broadcasting from our studios in downtown Detroit. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Once again, to yet another edition of the Pan-African Journal, this special edition uh, of our program. Later on, we'll be bringing you our regular Pan-African Newswire report. Uh, we'll have dispatches on the denial by the United States uh, government that genocide is taking place in Gaza and Palestine. The Lebanese resistance leader has delivered a major address in Beirut. Uh, we'll have details on that as well. A Pentagon base uh, has been struck again in Iraq uh, by resistance forces, and there was a bombing in Iran, uh, which killed over 100 people earlier today. In the second hour, we listened to the address delivered by Sheikh uh, Saeed Hassan Nasrallah on events uh, in Palestine, Lebanon, and across the region. Finally, we listened to a panel discussion on recent events in Palestine. These and other features will be brought to you uh, during the course of our program. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll take our musical interlude uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo with the music of Mbilia Bell uh, from the album entitled Phenomenon. Let's listen in. <laughs>
Yeah, man. 
suka ya mpema Likambo likolo ya ngomba Maya vale super filme Oyo somo Oyo somo Oyo somo
Welcome back. And uh, that was the music of Mbilia Bell from the Democratic Republic of Congo from the album entitled Phenomeni uh, from uh, 1988. Right now, we'd like to move into our Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of our program. And you're listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide uh, radio broadcast for Wednesday, January 3rd, uh, 2020. 23, and we're broadcasting from our studios in downtown Detroit. And these are some of the headlines in today's Pan-African Newswire. During a briefing, White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby called the case, quote, meritless, counterproductive, and completely without any basis in fact whatsoever, unquote. The U.S. chastised the Republic of South Africa earlier today for filing a genocide case against Israel before the UN top court, dismissing claims against its ally. Following Pretoria's uh, opening of a lawsuit for Israel's genocide action in Gaza, the United Nations top court will hear statements from South Africa and Israel next week. Israel on Friday dismissed South Africa's launch of a genocide case against it, at the International Court of Justice. Despite the sea of war crime evidence, the regime labeled the case as groundless, blood libel, lacking legal merit, and asserted that its army was adhering to international humanitarian law. It is collaborating with a terrorist group that calls for Israel's destruction. That's according to a statement uh, from the Israeli foreign ministry. The people of Gaza are not an enemy of Israel who is making efforts to limit harm to non-combatants. Unquote, the Israeli regime said. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Sunday accused South Africa of, quote, cowardice, unquote, and falsehood in launching a genocide lawsuit against Israel, claiming that the Israeli occupation forces are the most moral army in the world. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller expressed that the U.S. does not think South Africa's actions are a productive step. Uh, telling reporters that the administration has not seen acts that constitute genocide, unquote. While he admits uh, that genocide was heinous, Miller stated such allegations should not make the ma- should not uh, be made lightly. During a briefing, White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby called the case meritless, counterproductive, and completely without any basis in fact whatsoever. The U.S. officials' comments come as the death toll. And the ongoing Israeli aggression against the Gaza Strip has risen to 22,313 martyrs and 57,296 injured over the past 89 days. Persisting with this genocidal war against the people of Gaza, the occupation committed 10 massacres against Palestinian families in the past 24 hours, resulting in 128 martyrs and 261 injured. And in other news, uh, Hezbollah Secretary General Saeed Hassan Nasrallah spoke on the fourth anniversary of the martyrdom of top resistance leader Lieutenant General Qasem Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis. The martyr Sheikh Saleh al-Aruri was a great leader in the liberation struggle, and he spent his entire life up until the night of his martyrdom fighting resisting and working towards the cause, even spending years in captivity for his actions, Hezbollah Secretary General Saeed Hassan Nasrallah said earlier today. 
speaking on the fourth anniversary of the martyrdom of the former commander of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Elite Quds Force Unit, Lieutenant General Qasem Soleimani, and the commander of the Iraqi Popular Mobilization Forces, the PMF, Abu Mahdi al muhadis and uh, the Hezbollah leader praised and lamented both resistance leaders. Hajj Qasem Soleimani was striving to achieve self-sufficiency for all resistance movements so that they could rely on their capabilities, Saeed Nasrallah said. Hajj Soleimani uh, was a pivotal figure in linking and coordinating between the various parties uh, to uh, the axis of resistance. The resistance leader added, the axis, he said, agrees on a clear strategic vision wherein both enemies and allies are defined and goals are clear. And uh, later on uh, in our program, we'll have the complete address uh, from Shahid Hassan Nasrallah uh, that was delivered uh, earlier today in Lebanon. You're listening to the Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of the Pan-African Journal. Also, the bombing of the Al-Tanif base comes after the Islamic resistance in Iraq claimed responsibility yesterday for targeting the Al-Shaddadi base. The Islamic resistance in Iraq declared that it successfully targeted the U.S. Al-Tanif base in Syria using a drone. This comes after the group uh, took responsibility for launching a rocket salvo at the Al-Shaddadi base and launching a drone to strike the al Malayika base to continuously target the strongholds of U.S. forces. In response, al-Mahadeen corresponded in Baghdad, citing sources disclosed that the U.S. forces at the Milan uh, base inside Syria were targeted for the second time on yesterday. The correspondent had reported on Tuesday that a bombing targeted the U.S. base at Ramallah al-Shaddadi and the al Milakia in Syria. It is worth noting that the Milan uh, base is considered the most critical U.S. occupation outpost in Syria. It is situated southeast of the city in the countryside of the Al-Hassad government uh, with approximately 500 personnel. This targeting follows two attacks today, uh, both claimed by the Islamic resistance in Iraq. The attacks focused on two bases housing U.S. forces, one in the Green Village in northeastern Syria and the other near Erbil Airport in Iraqi Kurdistan. And uh, finally, uh, in regard uh, to the targeted uh, bombing uh, that took place uh, earlier today in Kerman in Iran, global and regional nations uh, condemn the twin blast that shook the city of Kerman, Iran, killing dozens and wounding over 100 people. The recent bombing of Kerman, Iran, has garnered international condemnation from neighboring and global nations. The attack has been widely characterized as a terrorist attack against the Iranian people. In his statement, the Cuban president, Miguel Diaz-Canel, stressed that his country strongly condemns the terrorist attack during the ceremony commemorating the fourth anniversary of the assassination of martyred Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps General Qasem Suleimani. On the same note, the Venezuelan government expressed a strong condemnation of the terrorist attacks that occurred in Kerman. The Nicaraguan government expressed this solidarity with the Iranian people and the families of all the victims, adding, quote, we affirm our respect 
and admiration for General Qasem Soleimani on the fourth anniversary of his martyrdom. Moreover, Joseph Borrell, the U.S. EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs, also strongly condemned the terrorist attack. Additionally, both the French and Dutch Foreign Ministry strongly condemned the attack as well. In a statement, the Irish Foreign Minister expressed his condemnation of the explosion, adding that, quote, it is a random and reprehensible attack. Terrorism and violence cannot be justified, unquote. The Pakistani Foreign Ministry extended its condolences, sympathy, and solidarity with Iran and wishing the injured a speedy recovery. The Iraqi government came forward to condemn the terrorist attack in Kerman while declaring solidarity with Iran, the government, and the people. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia reaffirmed the kingdom's condemnation of the terrorist bombing that targeted civilians. The Palestinian resistance faction, the Islamic Jihad movement, strongly condemned the bombing of Kerman and the targeting of citizens gathered around martyr Suleimani's shrine. On the other hand, the Palestinian resistance faction Hamas also condemned the attack. In the Iranian city of Kerman, dozens were killed and over 100 wounded, according to reports in a twin blast that rocked the city as Iranians flooded the streets marching towards the cemetery where martyred Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps General Qasem Soleimani was laid to rest on the fourth anniversary of his martyrdom. With that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment of uh, the Pan-African Journal. And concluding this segment of our program, we'd like to remind our listeners that the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was founded in January of 1998. Since then, it has published tens of thousands of articles and dispatches in hundreds of newspapers, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. If you'd like to log on to the Pan-African Newswire, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to uh, have access to today's uh, Pan-African Journal, this special worldwide uh, radio broadcast uh, for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024, uh, just go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network, and that's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll be back with more of our program for this week.
uh, which is time to commemorate the fourth anniversary of the martyrdom of uh, Lieutenant General uh, Suleimani uh, some four years ago, but also to recognize uh, the martyrdom of the Hezbollah um, deputy commander, who was, of course, targeted uh, in an assassination uh, just uh, yesterday uh, by uh, the IDF and undoubtedly the United States uh, involvement uh, as well. Let's listen uh, to this address uh, by Sheikh Saeed Hassan Nasrallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا خاتم النبيين أبي القاسم محمد بن عبد الله وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين وصحبه الأخيار المنتجبين وعلى جميع الأنبياء والمرسلين جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته يقول الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه المجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن تصبك حسنة تسؤهم هلا بس نسمع هاي الآيات قبل 1400 سنة هلا عينها تطبيقها بحياتنا بلداننا بشعوبنا بمنطقتنا إن تصبك حسنة تسؤهم وإن تصبك مصيبة يقول قد أخذنا أمرنا من قبل ويتولوا وهم فرحون قل لن يصيبنا إلا ما كتب الله لنا هو مولانا وعلى الله فليتوكل المؤمنون أتوقفون بنا إلا إحدى الحسنيين ونحن نتربص بكم أن يصيبكم الله بعذاب من عنده أو بأيدينا ولا تهيموا في ابتغاء القوم إن تكونوا تألمون فإنهم يألمون كما تألمون Feeling the pain, they are feeling the pain the same. If you want to get from the God whatever they they don't get, God is the all wisdom. In this blessed meeting, my address has got two parts. The first one is the ethical one. And this is condolation, uh, condolences. The second part, it has got 
for the people who are responsible for this event. The third is about the battle in Gaza and Palestine and the area, the region. And the, the fourth one will be the Lebanon and the battle of Lebanon on Lebanon and the latest attack in the southern suburb. First, we have to renew our blessings and our condolences for the people of this event, the martyr, the big, the great leader, Qasem Soleimani, and his uh, colleagues from the Iranians who have died, martyred in Baghdad, and also Hajj Abu Mahdi and his companions of the Iraqi people who were, who were martyred on the way to the airport in Baghdad. To all their families, to their blessed families, we are in new hour condolences from Lebanon, condolences to losing our friends and dearest people, and for them to have reached, we got this kind of badge from the Holy God. What happened today, close to the cemetery of Al-Hajj Qasim Suleimani's cemetery in Karman, and targeting those who were visiting and knew this kind of event, uh, women, uh, men and women and children, many of them have actually been martyred. Uh, I have noticed that it's more than 80 uh, martyrs and 160 injured. And also we condole those um, fam their families. They are the same on the same path, the same battle which has been led, was led by Suleiman. In our days, uh, happiness and sadness are mixed. This is how we live. We congratulate uh, Christians, Muslims, and Lebanese. The Christmas, uh, the birth of Jesus. We hope to see in his return to this world the salvation for all those vulnerable and those who are tortured in this world. Also, we will bless and congratulate for the new uh, New Year's Day and we hope that God will help everybody to get rid of to the challenges of life, uh, the security, the political one, and the living one. And they will spend this year better than the previous years. Also, I would like to congratulate all Muslims, in particular uh, women for the uh, Zahra Fatima this is the daughter of the Prophet and she will be one of the ladies of the 
paradise. Go back to the condolences. Would like to condole for losing brother, very dearest and leader, one of the founders in our the companion of jihad, Haj Muhammad Yaghi to his family uh, one by one condoling them and in particular to those in Al-Bikar because he spent most of his time there in, the, in, his, in this service we are we're gonna, Hezbollah will have uh, an event on Friday afternoon, and hopefully I will be, if I've stayed alive, in the service of the men and women, I will talk, this will help me to divide the subjects that I've been thinking, planning, uh, talking about, um, so that I will not prolong my speech, I will leave them on Friday, uh, the things that I I want to talk about, uh, we left it for there. I'm going to divide them between today and I would like to condole also for the martyrdom of the Colonel Radil Musawi, who was, uh, who was killed by um, Zionist raid in Damascus. This dearest leader and pious one, we know, knew him more than 30 years. He was a helper and jihadist and a supporter. He was, would like to be called the server, servant of this we condole Al-Khamenei as well to his family, to the brothers in the revolutionary guards and the Iranian people who providing these martyrs from the beginning of its revolution in the 60s up till now. Now we come to our latest event. We condole to our brother, the dearest Sheikh Saleh, deputy head of Hamas, and his friends in, in, in Al-Qassam were martyred yesterday in an, an aggression, Israeli aggression, aggression to the suburban or the suburb area. I would like to my brother, the head of Hamas, and all his leaders, and, uh, and the leaders of Qassam, and all the groups of Palestinians, and the people of Palestine, and the family of Sheikh Saleh, and all of the families of the martyrs who died with him. Condolences they, uh, they, uh, for their patience 
برحمته الواسعه ان شاء الله انا ساعود في الكلمه في المقطع الاخير شيخ صالح القوس الكبير امضى شبابه وعمره منذ ان كان فتى صغيرا الى From Gaza, the civilians, the women, children, and the fighters who are fighting, uh, those brave, to the West Bank, to the martyrs of Iraq who died because of the uh, American aggression on the Islamic resistance, to the martyrs. military ones and civilians who died in Syria, to, the, to Yemen, to the martyrs of the sea, how great the martyrs that ever or greater death of them, to all those martyrs of the Lebanese. Uh, military and civilians, all of these martyrs on the way to Jerusalem, to all their families which, who express their own patience, and this is the case in Lebanon, this is in Gaza, in West Bank, in Palestine, in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, in Yemen, we have the same language. We were at the end of today, we were talking about the Sheikh uh, Saleh's family, his sisters and brothers, to be ready to, um, to be um, uh, In Lebanon, this is the case. The mothers and the fathers and the husbands. Uh, the sisters and brothers and sons of the martyrs and the injured in the front line and the displaced people and the fighting people who are fighting in the front lines. Contrary to what Israeli enemies are saying, they are still fighting at the barbed front. 
والتقدير ونعبر عن محبتنا وثقتنا وإيمانهم وإصابتهم وإصابتهم ونقول لهم بثقة بأن دماءكم وصبياتكم وصبركم لن يكون لها إلا النتائج العظيمة والمعيدة التي ستعود بالخير على فلسطين وعلى لبنان وعلى سوريا والعراق واليمن والعراق وكل المنطقة وكل الأمم المشاركة منها ومن أن أنتقل إلى المقاطع إن شاء الله يوم الجمعة بنحكي أكثر مع On Friday, we will talk about the, uh, those who are displaced and the families of the martyrs on Friday. I will talk more Lebanese uh, What we see today in Gaza, in all of the resistance uh, scenes, we have Qasim Soleimani present as a name, as a spirit, as a system, and as enthusiasm and presence. The martyrs in Karman today, they remind me of Khamenei when he said, it seems that the martyr Qasim Soleimani is fearing all the Zionist uh, entity more than the one the, the one who is dead who is dead is being feared more than the one who is alive. Even in his tomb, they are killing people there. With his martyrdom, martyrdom, his life has become more strong. Much stronger, more present. We see him in all our fronts, in our faces of the leaders and our martyrs, in our rifles, in our rockets, in about in our bombs, in the tears of the children, in, in the patience of women. Today, Qasim Soleimani is present in this battle in force, with force. What we see the fruits of this leader, his, his struggle for over 20 years when he got the uh, leadership of a group which has got the responsibility of communicating with all the groups. In the previous events, we talked about it a lot, but I'd like to summarize that in two titles so that I will get to the rest of the titles. And to get the first title to support the resistance uh, movement in the area, but it was more of the resistance in all of the region, his school and his own culture and to support the resistance 
a group uh, to support it in numbers and equipment in terms of also training and manufacturing. Uh, one of the loyalties loyalty to the resistance, he wants to get all uh, resistance groups to have self to be self-contained. Some countries want to keep hold of these groups. They would not give it to be self-contained so that it will be controlling its own decision. Hajj Qasim, he was preparing and planning and working with all of them so that each group reaches its self-contained status. So that it will rely on its own power, in its own manufacturing, in its own men, its own experts, on its own uh, planners, its own minds, so that it will not rely on any support from the Iranian uh, Republic. Uh, this work is being continued, and of course some of them there are some precautions that we cannot talk about, but in Palestine, in particular after 2000, Hamas and Jihad, and the other resistance uh, groups, in particular Hamas and Jihad, and it is not a secret anymore. Hamas and Jihad are announcing this every time and every event, uh, support, money, and the, the ability to manufacture, to uh, manufacturing and, uh, and trading, and all of the, what happened. All of these championships, all these, these achievements in the, in the battle, it's not, the, it is not born yesterday or one year. About two decades of being born over two decades, which has been done by uh, Hamas and Jihad and other Palestinian groups uh, and the force of uh, Jerusalem uh, and and the gods, all of them are doing, putting what they, what they can. And the Iraqi resistance, Muslim resistance, after the 2003, when groups from the Iraqi youth and chosen to fight the American um, occupied forces and started fighting finds in Hajj Sulaiman and its Jerusalem force, they find, find them there, um, the refuge that will be supporting, will supporting all the money and weaponry and training and uh, exchanging uh, expertise. Abu Mahdi Mohandes, we're talking about before Hajj. We are talking about 2003 and 2004. He was the, the most important personality next to Soleimani to coordinate the work of resistance and to help Hajj Qasim in the resistance in Iraq, which has resulted in a historic victory. In this, these days, the uh, American 
forces had been drawn from 2011. It's true it was an agreement with the government, uh, Iraqi government, but what forces it to withdraw is the resistance from 2003 to 2011. This is the resistance that has got um, very strong and people, we know them. And he did not give up uh, supporting them, that resistance. And the U.S. people were, were threatening. They will hit the headquarters of the Jerusalem force in Tehran, and that they will, they will kill him wherever he was. But he did not um, hesitate to continue supporting the Iraqi resistance which has made this kind of victory. And the Iraqi group, which has formed the nucleus for the popular, for the revolution, popular revolution, when Daesh was, Daesh was the, or ISIS was the make of the U.S. Uh, as a revenge to their defeat in Iraq and the return of Iraqi uh, invasion. The second uh, title of Hashqasim's work, it was a work that it was a new and creative and very important one. He was to find this kind of networking, this link, this true relationship, relationships and emotional one between the uh, resistance movements in the region. This is as, as an evidence of loyalty. This is the axis of the resistance in the latest years. The axle of resistance, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this title, this term, it was not, was not there uh, long years back. It has been founded uh, because of the parties of the axis. But Qasem Soleimani was, he was the central one who has secured the con communication uh, consultancy and uh, coordination and work between these forces. That's why do I say this is the loyalty, evidence of loyalty? Each uh, country will manage some of the groups. As for him, he will, his interest is to have the relationship between with him and become through him. That's what people who are running the world. But Qasem Soleimani did not do that. He was very keen that there will be some direct relationship between the various uh, resistance uh, groups, between the Palestinians and Lebanese and uh, Syrians and Yemenis and others through the meetings and communications and collaboration and, and exchanging expert expertise and opinions and have a strategic vision to the whole uh, region 
to the uh, struggle in the region, this was his work. That's why the access of uh, resistance, which does not be understood by many, it's uh, different from the other access. Uh, he is sitting there and, and he is managing and he's giving order, uh, so you fight, you stop, you, you, you become neutral into pressure more, less more, go into the political uh, channel and so on. The axle of resistance, we will describe it as the second part. This is one of the creative works. The axis of resistance is based on strategy, on, on paradigm, and here we, we, what Sayyid Salami said when he was in the funeral of in Tehran. He has explained that kind of mentality. There is a strategic vision there in the access of, uh, access of uh, resistance, we know who are friends, who are enemies, and their targets are clear, which, what is the interest of the peoples of the region, region uh, where their dignity and their freedom and their sovereignty, uh, sovereignty and its independence, like that uh, U.S. vision, vision Israeli vision, it, it decides on its own, it takes its own decision. Makes, it is the one who will open its front and close it. It is the one who will make truth or will take this stand for that stand and in coordination of the or in um, meeting with the interest of the state itself so the interest of the uh, of syria will have some interests that are meeting with their own groups this formula creative formula will not nobody will order anybody we can consult with each other and advise we learn from each other's expertise and experiences but each one will take decision by in the, in the light of their own interest and the interest of their people and their country and this is what happens to the Jerusalem Force. Uh, in, unfortunately, some of the politicians, but after the writers, some of the commentators, media, they would not understand this scene. They carry on analyzing, analyzing incorrectly because they are building uh, wrong, based on wrong data. Straight away they would say, for example, Ansarullah or people in the Yemen or Abdul Malik's Al-Husi, brave guy, uh, leader, who decides to fight the Red Sea battle so that it will break the siege on Gaza. They don't know. They think that Iran asked him to say that, and that is not true. When Abdullah 
put anything from his own whim. Uh, he was he was very keen to, it was not in the body of Qasim uh, Sulaimani, there is nothing in his body that is, has got any That's why the path of each of these movements, it was victory. In, the, in Lebanon, we have Muslim uh, resistance in Lebanon. In, in July, in Gaza, uh, to liberate uh, Gaza and, uh, and the wars against Gaza. And of course, the resistance in Iraq, the anniversary of the Iraqi resistance, today, the day of a great day of the Iraqis, Iraq um, that Iraqis don't celebrate. And that was uh, lost because of the differences in Iraq. We have to return, get it back and celebrate it because there are many who have actually lost their lives for their sacred land. And the steadfastness of Syria and Lebanon. These are all the blessings of this uh, method and this trial. But the excel of resistance has more. The most challenging for the resistance is this, the Aqsa Deluge. From this I move on to the next Aqsa Deluge, which happened in the, on the 7th of October, as you know, it was started in a Qassam group or brigade, supported by the other groups, the other brigades, the Palestinian brigades, and the reasons for the deluge. They mentioned, it was mentioned by the leaders of Hamas and the other brigades, and I talked about that in the previous speech. And with regard to the 75th uh, anniversary and the other the prisoners and the um, attacks on Al-Aqsa Mosque and the risk of displacement of Gaza people and to have uh, an internal conflict within Gaza and the, the main reason and true reason of it is to displace all or the exodus of all Gaza people. In any case, their reasons it was clear and known on the 8th October Hezbollah has entered the battle on the northern uh, Palestinian occupied person from the southern quarter, uh, frontier uh, of, Lebanon, uh, of Lebanon. After that, the Iraqi uh, resistance uh, men in Iraq, they started in Iraq and Syria. And targeting the, Isra uh, the Zionist entity through the drones and also those in Yemen by attacking the, uh, ent that entity with 
هو التحدي في البحر الاحمر is the challenge in the Red Sea. It is a very brave and very wise step and very influential. And you know that what's happened, you know all, you are following all the news. What's happening three months months ago, is we have uh, many martyrs, uh, people injured, uh, houses being demolished or destroyed, and in the south of Lebanon as well, we have the scene of uh, threats and risks. In, on, on that, there is steadfastness and the bravery and the resistance and the challenging spirit and to feel disappointed or uh, giving up, surrendering. Of course, uh, the main one is Gaza and the other uh, parts of of resistance. With these two uh, scenes, there are results. We go in and we go and get lost or drowned through the details. We want to see the um, in general. We don't want to look at the details. When we look at the the greatness of the achievements and results or or outcomes that have been achieved up to now and what's going to be achieved uh, later, then we will realize, we will know uh, we will be more satisfied that uh, of, of the uh, amount of martyrs that's been, um, in, whether it's in Syria, uh, Yemen, Iraq, and Yemen. I would like to uh, mention the titles very quickly because each item, it needs one hour talking. So, but, and, and explanation, but I will just, just point, it's enough to indicating not everything, because we don't have enough time. What's being said by the Israelis, generals and previous one, the leaders and current leaders and strategic um, experts in the Arab world and the Islamic world, and some of the uh, Khamenei, um, sermons and many others but i would lo- i would like to show you this amount of bloodshed what are the results which have got a very big influence on uh, the future of palestine on palestine issue on the lebanon on the whole region in particular on uh, palestine and lebanon and in general on the region. We will go, go one by one. First, to revive the Palestinian issue after it has become forgotten and to make it being tabled in every with regards to the two-state solution and so on. Before the illusion, almost the Palestinian issue has been almost forgotten. Um, had it not been for the resistance uh, they are betting on the 
tiredness of the Palestinians so that they give up on their Palestinians. Uh, they will give up. Uh, when the resistance of Gaza, in Gaza, uh, when they did, and what they have, and what the consequences have been, has actually been disappointing in that. It has not been successful. Uh, what they are saying, the, this is the generation of Internet, has actually finished in the West Bank, and it has ended with the upheaval and intifada, but the deluge was giving the um, final hit. But in front of certain people who, who will not forget its history, its place, and its, and they are saying that even the Israelis are saying that after 75 years, they are after being exiled and sent away and displacement and these very hard hardships. Uh, now, more support now, the choice of um, resistance is being supported more and more, despite the, the massacres. And making all these massacres, they say that the resistance are the ones to blame for these massacres. But of course, the person of doing the massacres is Israel. But this has got very good, a good work for the future of Palestine. After this happened to Palestine, they're going back to the surveys. Of these massacres will make the Palestinians will move up uh, on the resistance, will blame jihad and Hamas and fighting men. All of these surveys are actually confirming that the support is going up for the resistance, and in particular to Hamas, which they give it the more, the most responsibility or the highest responsibility. This is the highest support from Palestinians and the resistance groups. This has got very big impact on the future of this struggle. The fall of the image of Israel in the world, which has worked on by U.S. media and the Western media and the media in the Arab world. The 20 formal media in the Arab world, it is to polish the image of Israel, that it is the state of law and democratic State and with respect to human rights in the deluge what happens afterwards and what's happening in all the frontiers. Israel has fallen, failed uh, legally, humanly, uh, in the eyes of all uh, people of the world, killing women, uh, displacing people from their own neighborhoods, from the, and making people starve, uh, frightening people, uh, frightening the civilians. And it's the, the most person or entity for the genocide in the century. This will affect the balance of this conflict. In the Latest, uh, there is a survey in the U.S. Between, among the young U.S. U.S. 
طول عايش من لما بيخلق لما بيموت تحت سيطره الاعلام الامريكي المسيطر عليه صهيونيا It is all the time being influenced by the channels that's been influenced by the Zionists uh, and here uh, the uh, women and children are being killed. And here, the social media, which want them, they want to demolish the resistance and It has had a back, back, you know, different effect or a negative effect. More than 50%, not with giving Palestinians their rights, they have to have to disintegrate Palestine, uh, Israel and return all the land of Palestine to the Palestinians. Who would believe that this kind of change in the public opinion, uh, this will work, it will have a very big effect or impact on, uh, in America, in the U.S. Uh, fifth, what happened in the last three months has given a very hard hit to the naturalization to go around the Palestinian people and uh, it will be Israel that has a natural state. Six, to respect the international society, uh, community, the, uh, the American, U.S., they give us all this, the Europeans and the Westerners and some of the Lebanese uh, that are Americanized or Westernized, that they are, why are, they, are you different and all the world is respecting the will of the international community. Why are you doing that? This deluge, the deluge of Aqsa here for the world, who is actually challenging the will of the world, international world community. A hundred and some fifty states have taken a decision to stop the ceasefire, comprehensive one. On, only ten states, um, Israel, US and Britain and so And Israel does not uh, respect that. Who is not respecting the will of the international community? Which resolution has been taken till now? Which one is respected? Uh, 1701. Even. Israel has not left one of the uh, official UN officials. Israel has not, not left any any law in international law that she did not actually walk all over or violated it. Of course, the will of we move to the seventh, to the Israeli results. The results, in the light of these, marginalizing the deterrent, Israeli deterrent, and that they are trying to renovate it or restore it. You remember that before the Aqsa deluge attack Gaza for to renew or re renovate this deterrent, this de 
that it will frighten the regional states or neighboring countries. All of them will surrender and will, get, will, will not. It is a, a force of deterrent. Uh, it's a fearing force. From the 2000, it was going down. With Gaza, it's gone down. 2006, it went down. And they said they're going to actually return this kind of uh, deterrent force after the opening of the Lebanese frontier, frontier and the Yemeni frontier. Uh, the situation of Israel is actually deteriorating. Uh, Hamas and its other um, brigades, when they have did in the delusion, uh, delu deluge of Aqsa, they were not very frightened. They were new. They knew about the results. They knew that the results, but it was. But that matter needed that kind of bravery. The resistance in Lebanon on the 8th October opened frontier. It was not being redundant or deterred, and it is more uh, prepared and more brave. Yemen, when it started, it taken this step. It was not frightened. It did not um, take for it into consideration Israel. Power. This deterrent, Israeli deterrent, who is relying on the U.S. fleet, it's not deterring the Iraqi uh, movement uh, or in the Lebanon, uh, that's why it's leaving without any results. So deteriorating or marginalizing or, or destroying the deter Israeli deterrent. There's another one that Israel knows everything and they know everything, which is not correct. Delusion, the deluge has actually proven that, that it's not. After war of July, they looked about their, they have amended some of their strategies and that, they, I would like to remind, they said from now on, we go with Israel, with having very fast and very clear victory with Israel. Ehud Barak and the others in the Israel uh, chief of staff, they all uh, adopted that strategy. Let's talk about only Gaza. Three months in Gaza. It's not a, there is no fast and very clear victory. There is no in the, Israel, in the Zionist entity that there is any picture of victory up to today. Yesterday, they were trying to show that through the assassination of Sheikh Saleh. But in the Gaza battlefield, where is the fast and uh, decisive victory? Number 10, the failure of the air, air force in Gaza. It's very important with regards to the defense strategies at the 11th one point. 
with regard to the results of Al-Aqsa Deluge and all the other axes. No confidence in the Zionist entity, in the army, in the political uh, entities. This will affect the foundation of Israel. There are some people, I don't want to use some expressions that are not uh, correct, when they say, when they hear that all the leaders in the Hamas and that the deluge of Qat'aqsa to the removal of Israel and on the way to be removed, uh, they will laugh in the, gre in the deep in content, if, if it loses its hope, I will not say uh, its people, its uh, connection with the land is not true, it is false, it is hypocritical, it's not true at all. All of you, the, the Zionism um, project, there were four choices. Argentina, Uganda, one of the uh, European uh, countries, and Palestine. Uh, the English people, English who brought them to Palestine. If there is a fight in civilian war, it will stay in Lebanon, stay with Lebanon. In Syria, it stays within Syria and its people. Iraq is exposed to siege and it will stay in Iraq. Israel is not the same. It is artificial entity. It is hatched up from all over the world, has got another entity, uh, nationality. The connection with this land is based on security and it is, it's not a good land. And then when they lose security, that's it. Why are we talking about these points? Um, the theme that these fairness who are collecting their banks and leaving from various airports and seaports and um, this is the coming scene. This uh, deluge has actually completed the foundation of this scene. You want evidence? This is the war minister Gallen. I will read what he said. He said, without achieving the targets of the war, to get rid of Hamas, to get back the hostages without negotiation, these are the announced ones, or known, and to, con to control uh, admin, uh, political control over Gaza. It was not that the citizens are not prepared to live, not on the sides of Gaza. It's not the surround of Gaza and the displaced and those who have escaped from the north. People are not prepared to live in this place. Why? Because we don't know how to protect them. What is he saying? We haven't achieved. We haven't achieved the aims. We have lost 
the main core that has based the state of Israel. You will not achieve the target of war. Here, the concept of the secure uh, refuge for the Israelis in the world. You are not in the secured or safe. Your security is in Israel. Al-Aqsa deluge and what's happening on all the frontiers. What's happening in Gaza, in the West Bank, in Iraq, in the region, has actually hit the foundation of this foundation and will make this concept of safe refuge for all the women, uh, Jews in the world. And now there are many are are migrating and they are most of the elite and those who are uh, rich breaking the image of the capable Israel presenting its own self to another Arab country saying we're going to protect you we're going to send you some air force we'll give you the iron dome and we are the security our the intelligence we are the intelligence this image has been has and has become in a place where they needed to be protected. Had it not been for the American or U.S. beat, it wanted this from the first day, the amount of direct uh, losses, which has been unprecedented. The, Human these are the disabled, the, those who are announced as dead uh, are, le- are not what the reality is. They are in thousands in the killing. The number of vehicles and tanks that's been um, targeted, the psychological psychological situation or condition of the soldiers. This is one of the papers saying it food Ahrnud. There are 100, 300,000 have been joined the mental treatment. If you stay here, no, there is threat, there is concern, there is very psychological condition. You want to, the ones who got the U.S. Uh, uh, passport or British passport or others, you go back to your own country. And the land of Palestine is from the river to the sea is to the Palestinians, for those who are steadfast, who are patient. The psychological, mental condition, the uh, opposite migration, 100,000 migrants who are migrating, 60,000, 17,000, he says 1,000, Benjamin has made a mistake, it's 100. They talked about 230,000 
displaced from the north uh, uh, economy three months there is no tourism there is no agriculture there is no manufacturing Israel with no economy uh, tens of millions of dollars which has, cannot be dealt with by the U.S. Red Sea, um, of course, this has, the Yemeni um, work has actually affected the economy and failed to achieve any of the targets. The U.S. is telling the Israeli ones to withdraw from the cities. He's worried about the Palestinians. He's, he's worried about the Israelis. In the resistance, they want the Israelis to stay where they are in the, in the city, so they will hit them in the morning and in the evening to destroy their banks, and, uh, the tanks, their, um, their snipers, and so, uh, by sniping, and so on. Uh, Israel cannot actually um, control the uh, Strip. One of the significant uh, results. Wait until the war stops. Even the, within the same party, they put all these daggers behind their backs. And when the war stops and, start, and the, the demands and all these courts start to, and investigations, uh, what Israel, which Israel we're going to get? I don't know, 15 or 16. A scandal of the U.S. U.S. has tried to, after the new um, conservatives, after the massacres in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and brought, and that he's black, and his father, Obama's father is Hussein, and he is um, uh, Muslim originally, and they're trying to make their image a bit better, and they managed that uh, game, through that game. And then the tradition of the ISIS and the Arab Spring, and they always they've created ISIS and so on. They absolute that one of the targets has actually demined, uh, destroyed this image of the U.S., which is worse uh, reality. Whoever is, whoever is killing is the U.S. strategy and the U.S. Uh, rocket and bombing and the, their strategy. And what stops the war in Gaza is The one who is pre preventing the war uh, from Gaza is the U.S., who is giving the veto in the, uh, the Security Council. The rudeness of the U.S. that their spokesman, Israelis would not intend to kill, and there are 20,000 civilians, and they made all these are uh, collateral damage. U.S. is the only one who is going violating the international law on the human rights 
and human values. The last that I will uh, give to you without the, uh, the final part, um, we have to learn uh, lesson from that it has that all the international UN and the international system and the international law is unable to are not able to protect any protection of any nation, any individual. Learn it, Lebanese, those Lebanese people. 22,000 martyrs and around 60,000 casualties, casualties and give us, give your web weapons. The international community is going to protect us. It's not that we have one opinion and another opinion. This is blindness. This is um, blind sight. Now it is the hearts which are blind. This experience, what, what does it say to us? I'm going to now the last part. This experience is saying, if you are weak or vulnerable, you will not be recognized by the world, and the world will not defend you, and the world will not cry even, not, it will not even cry on you. What the one that would protect you, the one who protect you is your force, your power, your bravery, your weaponry, your record, and your presence in the battlefield. If you are strong, you will force others to respect you. Despite all the siege, siege on Gaza, if uh, Gaza fell in the first few days, nobody would This amount of the moral and the material which is very limited, that the mass resistance, the people, the men and women and children, this is a form of force, has forced Everybody is trying to find resolutions because there is a form of force in Gaza, despite of being uh, suppressed. Uh, here I will go into Lebanon. There are so many results, and there will be more results. I would say what happened on the 7th of October till now, what will happen later, has made Israel make weakened has actually shaken its foundations and buildings. And yes, as the Palestinians are saying, and put it on the way to be removed, uh, which we will witness, uh, hopefully witness, it will not be protected from any side, and no one will be able to defend it and protect it. As for the Arabs. Here I go into Lebanon. When we opened this frontier on the 8th of October, 
so that I'll be frank and clear with you. No, to be closer to, the, closer to God, to support those who are oppressed in Gaza. Uh, we will explain them even more in, in, on Friday. This brave participation, which was based on what I've mentioned earlier, our decision is meeting with the strategic vision to support Gaza and to look after the interests of Lebanon. It, in the end, we are living in a country with its own uh, challenges. We left all this and we went into this formula of fighting. It's very, very effective and very big. Hundreds of operations have been done. Many martyrs, uh, many casualties. Uh, gains, very big, uh, I will talk about on Friday. Not, but there is more which is more important from the blessings that we have entered on the 8th of October that we want to draw your attention to, which has actually showed that, that that's been what the negotiations or discussions of the enemy, in particular the many government there, on the 7th of October, say 8th of October, uh, the Israeli has, has went uh, mad. Um, they worried about the existence. Kenneth has called it the second assistance uh, um, uh, or stay. And getting out of these differences and the recalled reserve reservists there is more than 500,000 reservists so this is this is in the cabinet this has happened later it appeared later this is what is, this is because of the resistance in Lebanon has actually been fast to fight. They said, Israel, this is our historic uh, opportunity. We get rid of all these um, resistance groups in Palestine. We want to remove them all. In the West Bank, we're going to actually get rid of them. And we will get rid of them in Lebanon. We will finish of the threat of the threat from Hezbollah in Lebanon. And now all the world is crazy with us. And they think that we are being... Um, it's our chance. But this fight, this war Lebanon has been stopped by the element of surprise, if, if the Lebanese frontier was very calm on the 8th of 9th and 10th and 11th, they would have woken up and Israel would have actually destroyed everything in this country. Because the international world is with the community with them and they were thinking about that. But the resistance is the one opened the frontier. We have actually immobilized and immobilized or mobilized all of the training camps. And this has 
made them lose the element of surprise. أنها مقاومة شجاعة جريئة قوية لا تهاب أحدا ولا تخفى أحد ولا تخاف وليست موضوعة وليس لها أي حسابات يمكن أن تقف There was some discussion and some um, discrepancies or differences. The Israeli, I went to Netanyahu and, and tried to convince him not to open a war with Lebanon because that will affect it will affect Kushdan. This um, rectangular. Uh, shape in, uh, with Tel Aviv, what made Israel stop uh, not to launch a war, that there is a force, that there is resistance, and that there are people who are men of God. This is the status quo. What we are doing in the, on the border If it was twelve, if there were no power of this, they're talking about 700 operations. One operation would have been uh, one would have been uh, enough to launch a war against Lebanon by Israel. So we want to respect all the war, uh, world community or international community. Or is it that the Lebanon is very strong? All these threats and warnings, they were attacking in the southern suburb. There are two titles. This is killing of Saleh and his friends, Sheikh Saleh. And it was done in the southern suburb. That's the first after 2006. Yesterday there was some some messages. The Israelis said we did not uh, intend to, uh, we were not targeting uh, Hezbollah and we are trying to settle that with Hamas. This will not be convincing except to the children or to those who are cowards. All of these threats and warnings, I don't want to warn or threaten, I want to rely on the past. I want to say two sentences at the end of my talk. The first sentence that till now we are fighting in a frontier and we know the calculations. That's why we pay uh, 
the, uh, the martyrs of our people. But if the enemy has thought of launching a war on Lebanon, it will be fighting with no borders, no rules, no limitations, no guidelines, and they know what I'm talking about. Our records, our fighting, our threats, all of this, all what we mentioned in the past, we can talk about it. I want to remind you that we are not scared of the war. We are not, we are not hesitant. We would have stopped. The U.S. have threatened us. The French have told us uh, long uh, messages. Uh, the, uh, the British, the French, the Germans. Have we stopped? Did we retreat? Did we hesitate? Whoever thinks of the war with us will regret it. It's going to be very, very uh, costly. We are now, we are looking after the international, the Lebanese interests. If there were a war on Lebanon, the international national interests that we will go to the war with no limitations or no restrictions. With regards to the event yesterday, the resistance, resistance have actually promised if it were in different circumstances and there were no war or balances of the conflict, it will not change anything. The crime yesterday was very grave. Uh, will not be, will, we will not be quiet about, and this does not require words. This crime will not be without any response or punitive action. And and the battlefield and the days and the nights between us and you. Goodbye. Welcome back. And uh, that was uh, the entire address uh, from Sheikh uh, Saeed Hassan Nasrallah of the Lebanon, uh, the Secretary General of Hezbollah, the resistance movement uh, in Lebanon. And you're listening to the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide radio broadcast for Wednesday, January 3rd. 2024. Uh, we're broadcasting from our studios in downtown Detroit. We'll take a break and uh, we'll be back um, with our final segment uh, of our program for today.
That was uh, Detroit's own uh, Motown Sound, the Marvelettes, uh, from Inkster, Michigan, a suburb just west of the city of Detroit. And that track was entitled Someday, uh, Somehow. You're listening to the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide radio broadcast for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. And we're broadcasting from our studios in downtown Detroit. Our final segment uh, is a panel discussion. We'll hear excerpts uh, from uh, this presentation entitled The Zionism, Germany, and the Politics of Debt. Uh, Let's uh, listen to uh, this panel. We can see Zionism as, first of all, a mutation of of anti-Semitism. It is it is a response to this uh, predicament that faced European society. The electronic intifada. The electronic intifada. The electronic intifada. This is the electronic intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrett-Sweetman. And I'm Aislinn Stanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Uh, I'm Tamara Nassar, Associate Editor of the Electronic Intifada and the producer of the Electronic Intifada podcast and live stream. Uh, My brilliant uh, colleague, Nora Barris-Friedman, is uh, inviting me to guest host this episode. I'm really excited to be joined by uh, friend, comrade, and uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Abdel Jawad Omar. Abdel Jawad is a lecturer uh, and a PhD candidate at Birzeit University. He is currently teaching in the Philosophy and Cultural Studies Department at Birzeit. Uh, what I admire about Abdel Jawad's work is that uh, he's capable of providing uh, a reading of the Palestinian question through a bedrock of psychoanalysis, which uh, is rarely done well, and he does it really well. The Israeli military campaign in Gaza, um, the Israeli genocide in Gaza, has been one of the most destructive and the deadliest in recent history. Israel's military carnage in Gaza has been uh, Compare, it's, it's wreaked more havoc than multiple recent wars, including um, uh, Ukraine's Mariupol, including the Allied uh, bombing of Nazi Germany during the Second World War. Uh, Israel has been dropping bunker buster bombs on highly populated, very densely populated residential neighborhoods in Gaza, wiping out multiple generations of entire Palestinian families. Um, And within that context, with over 20,000 Palestinians killed in the past uh, 80 days, uh, with the death toll of children teetering on uh, nearly half of that, um, uh, Israel's genocidal campaign has been compared or been described with the language of the Holocaust. Uh, The language of the Holocaust has been used by Palestinians braving Israel's genocidal campaign in Gaza. Uh, It's also been used by 
the leaders of the Palestinian resistance in Gaza, including the spokesperson for the Azzedine Qassam Brigades, the armed military wing uh, of Hamas, Abu Ubaidah, and uh, the political bureau uh, chief in Qatar of Hamas, um, Ismail Haniya. They both used that terminology. They have uh, referred to it as al-mahraqa, which roughly translates to uh, a holocaust or a burning or a whole burning um, in Arabic. So the Gaza Strip has also been compared to a concentration camp or an open-air prison. It's been called a death camp or a ghetto. Um, Israel has also used the memory of the Holocaust to justify its crimes in the Gaza Strip. I'd like to have a conversation with you, Aboud, about a range of topics, uh, um, but chief among them is uh, I'd like to interrogate this this um, this uh, idea of European history and memory, uh, the relations of debt or the politics of debt. Um, uh, in Europe, uh, you wrote on Twitter the other day something very interesting. Uh, you said, quote, I am not sure the German and European collective guilt blinds it from seeing what is happening in Palestine. In fact, I think the opposite is true. European subjectivity takes delight in seeing its historical victims becoming oppressors. That is how conditions for psychological redemption are created. It's not in turning away or in historical and collective guilt acting as a barrier for seeing and bearing witness. It is this guilt that propels an attitude that secretly wishes to tell Israel, show us more, show us what you can commit. Aboud, what do you think Israel represents in the European collective, public, and historical imagination? How do you think the European and specifically uh, German public experiences witnessing Israel commit this genocide against Palestinians in the Gaza Strip? I mean, I think, look, I think, uh, thank you, Tamar, first of all, for uh, the introduction and for hosting me again. Um, I'm more than uh, happy to be with you. But I think, look, it's a, it's a very complicated uh, ground that we're trying to broach uh, or, you know, talk about. Um, the notion of what Israel represents in this collective European imaginary, or what also Israel and the Arabs represent um, uh, together, is one that is complicated because at one point in that you know long history uh, of Europe relating to its own Jews, um, there is the fact that Europe turns its own Jews to the internal enemy, no? the other who needs to be abjected, who needs to be uh, forced out of Europe, the European that cannot stay within Europe, you know, and that that, that took a, a turn with Nazism and National Socialism where um, being removed from Europe uh, meant uh, the systematic industrial killing of, uh, of many of those others, including Jews, within the boundaries of Europe in, uh, in the Holocaust. So we had this industrial masculine uh, of Jews, or you know, the alternative was in, in many also anti-Semitic discourses was that Jews need in this colonial moment to find a place outside of Europe where they can, um, you know, create their own 
let's say, European colonial uh, experiment, whether it's in Palestine or Uganda or Argentina or other places that were studied. Um, um, and, you know, it was shared between uh, many of the then Zionist leaders like Herzl and many of the, let's say, anti-Semitic uh, foreign policy voices within the British Empire and even among some of the Germans or some of the French uh, uh, policymakers that saw within uh, the idea of a Jewish state outside of Europe a solution to the, what was termed in Europe a Jewish problem. So that was, I mean, this is the background of Israel. I, I think we can see Zionism as, first of all, a mutation of of anti-Semitism. It is, it is a response to this uh, predicament that faced European societies with the whole notion of an original sin that ties Jews to the killing of Jesus and that moves throughout the Middle Ages and transforms into this kind of anti-Semitism in the more modern age where the, the Jew is always placed in question within uh, the European collective imaginary. But alongside that, I mean, and, and I think it's important historically to also situate that the Arab has also been transformed. The Arab, the Muslim, has always been also the external uh, enemy. So there's that kind of internal enemy uh, in the figure of the Jew, and then there's the external enemy in the figure of, of the Arab or the Muslim, the one that threatens Europe from outside of Europe, the one that threatens uh, European culture, society, and even philosophical development. And of course, in many instances, what we can see in Europeans, how they render this history, is that they render it as always a form of enmity, clash of civilization, cultures, etc. Very few people attempt to also look at how these cultures, you know, had a lot of intercourse and, um, you know, um, how they're folded within to get together in the Mediterranean and how they interacted. Sometimes they allied themselves. I mean, it, it wasn't always this figure of perhaps enmity in this long history that binded, you know, Europeans and Arabs. But in many ways, I mean, you can we can say that um, the Jew was the internal enemy, while the Arab was and remains also to some degree in kind of a collective, perhaps more hidden part of European consciousness, the external also enemy. So Israel in many ways comes into the fold in a very late colonial period, as Tony Judd says, you know, one of the problems with Israel is that it creates its colonial project late in the in, in colonialism, uh, late in, 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 in terms of the world moving away from colonialism in this moment you have you know this desire from european specifically central european jewry to come and create a state uh, uh within the boundaries of palestine a jewish state or a state for the jews which always meant that the indigenous people of the you know of palestine would be displaced ethnically cleansed murdered massacred killed either seen through the lens of the colonial gaze, which was in many instances linked Palestinians to the, you know, um, to the national scenery. So they didn't see us. They see us as part of like the animals, the birds, uh, the natural uh, grounds of Palestine itself. Or they saw us as an enemy, uh, an obstacle that has to be uh, taken uh, care of for a, state to be created on the expense of 
the Palestinian people uh, and their long historical existence in Palestine, based on a lot of the mythology that, of course, Zionism uh, spews, and a lot of it, and one of the things that are very particular about Zionism, at least as a colonial movement, is that it's very pragmatic when it comes to how it actually justifies itself uh, ideologically. Um, you know, in different periods, you can see it saying to itself, we're colonialists, but we're also indigenous to Palestine. So we're we're indigenous colonizers of, of Palestine. That's that's one of the things that, for instance, Joseph Massad talks about in the persistence of the Palestinian uh, question of how Zionism produced itself both as a European colonialist movement, but at the same time as an indigenous movement liberating through its colonialism the land of Palestine from its own indigenous people, the Palestinians. So you, you, you have a lot of these ideological maneuvers within Zionism in an attempt to juggle itself in a, in a way to try to nativize itself in the land of Palestine through religious claims or through whatever claim that it, 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 it holds. And on the other hand, also still linking itself uh, to European ideological uh, modes of thinking in the historical moment that, you know, uh, uh, exists. So for in, in the 20s, it's a colonialist movement. Uh, it's a progressive socialist movement at some instances. Sometimes it's a religious fundamentalist movement. Sometimes it's a, it's presented as a liberal uh, beacon of demo- democracy uh, and, and uh, you know, a state, uh, a startup state. So it's, it has all these different myriad, different representations that link well with whatever, you know, the empire highlights or centers in terms of its discourse. And the Israelis are very adept at, you know, um, uh, placing their own claims on Palestine within whatever frame actually works. I mean, just just to, to recapture some of, of, of what we were trying to say, I think that for Europeans, there is a delight on one level. The first level is a delight to see Arabs and Jews, the cousins, in you know the collective imaginary of Europe's balloting it out, you no. Know? And you know there's that delight of these these Semitic people, let's put it that way, these cousins, the internal enemy and the external enemy, you know, um, fighting each other out over land. And going into these um, historical kind of biblical religious uh, fights that have turned this figure of the Jew against the Arab and the Arab against the Jew. There is that kind of delight in the European psyche to see that kind of drama play out. It's almost as if it's, you know, uh, 24-hour biblical drama. Uh, that resurrects uh, a lot of the Christian imaginary as well in terms of how, you know, Arabs are figured. Of course, here Arabs are not necessarily Muslim, but Arabs and Jews, you know, committing acts of murder against each other, hating each other, displacing each other. Um, So there's that one level of it that is very raw. It's tied, uh, if we want... um, to biblical imaginary, and I think it still persists and exists in many ways. You know, oh, those Arab and Jews, you know, uh, you know, killing each other, um, kind of in a dismissive way. Um, 
not being able to live together, not being able to coexist together. This this is all part of like how all, also Europe constructs, I mean, the current moment. But then comes also the history of, let's say, uh, anti-Semitism and the particular history of how Europe dealt with its own Jews uh, into the fold. And I think here with Germany specifically, we have a unique disposition that, you know, uh, a lot of people have placed it as collective guilt. Um, you know, Germany now includes the security of the state of Israel as part of the rationale for the existence of the, you know, the German nation. So that means that, you know, modern German identity after World War II is constructed around the memory of the Holocaust, but also is constructed persistently around the security of the Jewish state uh, or of Israel in this case. So you have you have a state that says part of my existence, part of the the rationale, the justification for the existence of a German nation is not the German language or culture or perhaps history. It's the existence and security of another state outside even the boundaries of Europe itself. Um, it, this is what it's you know what German is uh, or modern Germany is proclaiming to be part of the rationale tied to this politics of memory and tied to this notion that there's a depth relationship here where uh, the Germans and the European collectivity has to pay uh, uh, to the Jewish people. And in this instance, the Jewish people are represented by uh, the state of Israel. So for me, I mean, of course, I think uh, that level of it, that level of seeing a state justify its existence through the persistence of another state is already eerie enough. No? Um, not to, and let's not talk about like, you know, Palestinians, indigenous rights, whether we have a right to Palestine or not, but just, just a state claiming or proclaiming that its own existence and rationale for existence is the existence of another state is already very eerie and, 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 you know, you don't see that much in the world, no, like a state, uh, um, providing, you know, the central ethos of its existence by the existence and the persistence of, of another state. That's that's one element, that's one problem of it. The second of it is that there's this claim that this way, the Germans and perhaps the Europeans as a collective are paying back the Jews for the crimes they committed against the Jews. That's, that's, a, that's the idea also embedded within this notion of backing the state of Israel and its existence and persistence in, in Palestine and justifying even the existence of the German nation through it, is that through that, we will actually pay our debt. And this is an unpayable debt. Look, it's, it's, it's a debt that we have to continue paying. It's never-ending debt, but that's the way, that's how we particularize the way that we should pay it. That's, that's the means. This is the method, the technique of paying that debt is through backing of the Israeli state. Of course, a lot of people have pointed this out. It's not me within the Jewish world, which says that, first of all, this is, you know, um, a conflation between Jews and Zionism, a conflation that is in itself anti-Semitic, because it basically says that all Jews are, um, you know, Zionists, uh, which is not the case. A lot of Jews are anti-Zionists. A lot of Jews stand against the state of Israel in myriad ways. 
some want to dissolve it, some see it as, you know, an aberration, some see it as uh, conducting or critique it on the basis of its human right abuses. You know, so there's a lot of different positions in the Jewish world when it comes to Israel. Some perhaps don't care about it, just don't want to engage. I mean, there's also like the indifference perhaps as a, as a position that could exist also in the Jewish world. So there's all these different uh, positions, and Germany has limited its, its way of paying the debt to just one single mutation and reaction to anti-Semitism through the lens of Zionism as a form of colonial, uh, of a form of colonialism that also claims some sort of sort of indigeneity to the Palestinian land. So this is this is the one direction that the Germans have used or are using to pay its debt, and it's showing, you know, through. A lot of cases where Jewish voices that are anti-Zionist are being silenced in Germany. You know? So it tells us one thing about what Germany have chosen in terms of who to back from within the Jewish world. Because unlike what Germans would like to believe or would like to say, uh, this is a choice. No? It's a choice of who you back from the Jewish world. Do you back the anti-Zionist? Do you back the Zionist? you back uh, the Jew outside of these kind of considerations? Um, do you pay the debt in a different way? What it means to hold yourself morally responsible for, for the Holocaust, at least historically, on today's um, crimes that Israel is committing in the Gaza Strip? Does, does that moral responsibility extend to the Palestinians as the victims of the victims in the, seen from the German eyes or seen from the German Gates, uh, as what Edward Said once called the Jew of, you know, uh, the Palestinians are the Jews of the Jews, you know. Mm-hmm. So, does that extend to the Palestinians, or does that stop within, or you confine it, or foreclose it only uh, uh, in terms of backing Israel as a state and its security through how it self-defines? Does that extend, for instance, to mutations, ideological mutations within Israel? So does that mean that Germany will come and fight a war on behalf of Ben Gvir, for instance, tomorrow? Uh, not the liberal socialist Zionist, not the, uh, you know, the more acceptable form of Zionism with its European, uh, you know, face, but you know, the religious fundamentalist Zionism that you know is also uh, running amok in 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 Palestine. What does that mean? Will, will Germany uh, come and also back? somebody like Bing Beer or Smotrich who are outrightly saying they want to ethnically cleanse, who they want to disappear the Palestinians, they want to, you know, wipe out all Palestinians. And despite the fact that we saw in the current moment also all of the Israeli, you know, political machinery saying the same thing. So it, in many ways, I, I, I do think that this, this, this conscious choice of backing Israel says a lot about, you know, the choice that this collective European... Uh, Imaginary did at some point. Uh, it's 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 a convenient choice. It's a convenient choice because, first of all, there's a particular destination to the form of depth relationship you create, and it's Israel. Um, it's a state that has its own interest. You know, like any other state, it has its economic, political interest. It has its uh, national security consideration. It has its politics. It's a, it's a state that you can talk to. It's not an abstract notion or a world that is diverse like uh, the Jewish world. So 
it's convenient to make your amends only through uh, the state of Israel. And it's also convenient because within Zionism, there's also currents that are, you know, um, that echo, if we want, this German national socialist past in its practices, in the techniques of domination that it also imposes on the Palestinians. And I think on some level here, um, you know, I always question the fact that, you know, a lot of people when they talk about, you know, German and European and, you know, they're looking at Palestine, they can't see. They say that they can't see. They're blinded by this collective guilt, you know. They can't hear. So they can't listen to the cries and voices of the Palestinians because they're blinded. There's something preventing them. There's an obstacle preventing them. For me, I do think that that's one possible, you know, way of relating to this, is that because I feel guilty about what we've done to the Jewish, this memory of the Holocaust, this memory of anti-Semitism, that there's something that makes me reserved about hearing Palestinians and questioning whatever they tell me, you know? And that's true. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like somebody, uh, uh, you know, trying to be... Uh, you know, encountering, uh, I don't know, uh, the Bible, but wants to find the contradictions within the Bible. Somebody who's, a, you know, you know, looking at something and, 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 and is always ready to critique it. He's entering already and encountering a Palestinian on, on the basis of critiquing the Palestinian and finding any problem with what they're saying. That's, that's probably true, that the, the, this kind of, line exists that somehow there's an obstacle because of that history of Europeans seeing what's happening in, 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 in Palestine. That's part of it. But I do think that, you know, that is not the whole equation. And I think that is already embedded in the choice that the German state made long time ago in, in, in practicing a politics of depth, uh, of depth exclusively through the, through the relationship with the Zionist state is that it's, it has chosen a, 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 also a way to absolve itself from its own history through allowing its own victims to become oppressors and through you know, making sure that through that process that it can tell its own self, its own, if we want, guilt, that provide some sort of moral, you know, burden and moral responsibility, it can absolve itself from that guilt because it can look at, at Israel and it can see Israel transforming itself slowly and steadily into a state that is known for its security and surveillance systems for it. Welcome back. And um, that was a discussion on the origins of Zionism. Uh, Zionism and the Palestinians in the public imagination of Western imperialism. That's going to conclude our program uh, for today. You've been listening to the Pan-African Journal, special worldwide uh, radio broadcast for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. We're broadcasting uh, from our studios in downtown Detroit. We'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in once again uh, to another edition of uh, the Pan-African Journal this special worldwide radio broadcast uh, for Wednesday, uh, January 3rd, uh, 2024. If you'd like to have access to this program, go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com. 
forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. If you'd like to read the Pan-African Newswire uh, so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, uh, just go uh, to the Pan-African Newswire, and that's at um, panafricannews.blogspot.com. Uh, that's panafricannews.blogspot.com. We'll close out uh, with the music of the legendary guitarist, jazz guitarist, uh, Wes Montgomery. And this is uh, a recording uh, where he played alongside of uh, Wynton Kelly's trio at the Half Note in 1965. This is uh, Abayomi Azikawe signing off and have a beautiful week. Thank you.